1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. And we get the back view of him, and I mean, it's just a mega. 52 yards is a long shot. Uh, Magnum PI, is what yeah. we named him. No idea. Just but, a Magnum. Yeah, just a Magnum. Come on, Cam, last year, we, we said probably 150, mid-150. Yeah. Same doe from the morning come out with that nine-pointer. Here, here steps out this 90-inch eight-pointer. Like, <laughs> yeah. Ah. I'm like, okay, well, there's still a buck back there grunting. Yeah. And then I step like another 90-inch eight-pointer. Yeah. I'm like, all right. <laughs> yeah. Bro, yeah, bro. Yeah. You're like, I'm like deer right there. Yeah, like, and he's 30 already yards. thirty yards. Yeah, he he was literally five yards from the base of the tree. Could have been had a buck down at one forty in the afternoon, back there deep on public. Three does come out pretty early. It was like 245, 24 yards shot. Sent the combat veteran, and I tell you what, man, dude, it just smoked. We always get so jacked up when the other person kills. It's just almost like we got it done. Yeah. And when you kill that doe, I was like, hell yeah, man. And we come down here to Missouri. My ass called me one more time. I'm like, is it a good buck? And he goes, yeah, real good, solid buck. I'm like, all right, boom. <laughs> and the deer just drops for sure. Super special meat. Whitetail Legacy Podcast, bringing you back to the hunt. And leaving a legacy. Baller rut. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Coming in your ear holes. And we have an incredible episode for you this week. We're talking to Bill from Spartan Forge. Um, This is an app that's come out for hunters. And there's a lot of apps out that are kind of like this one. But there's nothing that's as in-depth as this i feel like there's a lot of apps that came out to find the weather and maps and stuff like that but this is adding so much more actual um, deer behavior yeah he's traced track deer for seven years before he released this so he's going after like the 
what he's seen the last seven years by tracking all these collared deer. He's not going off of like a, a Mark Jury, this is what I think is going to happen. A Jeff Sturgis, this is what I think is going to happen. This is just deer doing deer stuff in all different states. And uh, a lot of them are like, have like a good buck movement. You know what I mean? Like a buck's move good tonight. And he said that he honestly cannot put that in there and be honest because they're so hard, so much harder to predict. So this is just a deer movement in general app. So we we go through this. If you guys haven't watched one of the videos on YouTube, this will be coming out um, on when will it come out on YouTube on Last Breath? Um, it'll be the nineteenth of April, I believe. So be looking looking for it to come out. He goes through this whole entire app with us. He shares his screen on Zoom. And you can follow them along. Um, really intriguing. So much to this. Um, we could do the intro for 20 minutes talking about it. But yeah. this is something I'm definitely going to use. There's a couple features that are coming soon that are super epic um, that are going to help new hunters out like tremendously. If I had that when I first started hunting, that would have been insane just to, to look at maps and compare like that. But we're getting people to make this possible so you guys can get in and enjoy this episode. This is one you're going to want to share with your buddies um, out there because this app, not a lot of people know about it for some reason. So it's something that's going to be coming out. And I think when people start finding out about it, they're going to be like, oh, shit, this is this is sweet. So, all right. Do you have, uh, do you have the suicide hotline prevention number? Yes, I do. The number is one 800 273 8255 and um go ahead and share that and uh try to make that aware that there is help out there for people in need also another thing i want to shout out um during this little part here is bill was a uh, military cop so appreciate bill for his service doing that and um allowing us to be here free and safe yeah he's, he was in for a long time still in about to retire so been in forever and um, his whole entire strategy to whitetail is what he learned in the military, you know, and he breaks it down like to where I can understand. Yeah. Yeah. Like when he, when he's trying to kill me in the episode, that's like my favorite part. <laughs> you know, he's like, Cody does this every now and then. So I know that this would be a pretty good chance, but I really enjoyed this episode. I'm actually excited to listen to it again and digest some more of it um, as it was going on. But do you have a last breath over there? Yeah. So as we said last week, we're going to get to covering the launch party. Um, the main focus of the launch party is the film. Uh, that's one thing that Cody and I really love about the last breath crew is um, they put on some pretty damn good films. The quality is top notch. They put a lot of time and effort into it. Grant's a mastermind behind the editing and um, just an all-around great show. If you guys haven't seen it, head over to their YouTube channel. Uh, you can check out their past seasons. And um, we've got a good season coming at you guys this fall. So um, at the launch party, you will get a peek at the new season that's going to drop if you're able to attend. Yeah, it's going to be super solid. The films are, you know, that's why everybody comes, but there's a bunch of other stuff too, you know what I mean? But yeah. the films are the main reason. That's the main 
the reason for the event. They're getting to see these films before anybody else ever has besides Grant. He don't even let us watch them. <laughs> so um, it's just we're all in there enjoying the efforts from last year and then the efforts of Grant editing. Uh, so it's really cool, kind of a special moment. And everybody there gets, you know, the first glimpse at the episodes before they go on YouTube or Carbon or wherever they go out to. So uh, I'm going to cover Exodus Trail Cameras this week. Um, just like last week, I want to mention their YouTube again. These guys are out there absolutely grinding their faces off, bringing you whitetail content and uh, putting in a ton of work. So if you guys are looking for some new new whitetail content, haven't watched the whitetail cribs, just looking for some whitetail knowledge, some trail camera knowledge, um, scouting, hunting, buck beds. They got everything you could think about on there. And they also have some incredible video podcasts on there as well. Um, so go ahead and check their YouTube out. Um, you won't regret going in there. Definitely a lot to learn. And uh, just the amount of content that they produce since they started is insane. Just that I've, you know, absorbed from their show and the people that they have on. So huge shout out to those guys. And also we're, you know, the cameras, you can't not talk about the cameras, five-year warranty. We're running lift twos. They're out there. The render, absolutely solid all winter in the cold weather. And the treks, man, that's the hard, that's number one. Those are hard to beat. Those are our favorite picture taking, dependable. You put that in the spot that you're like, I'm about to get some awesome pictures on the scrape. I'll make sure this sucker works for four months. Mm-hmm. You put the trek there. You ain't running the Tasco there. They ain't they ain't bad. Those suckers <laughs> might fail. You're running the trek on the money spot and um, five year five year warranty. So you buy the cam, you know you got it for five years. So we got a lot of cams that were got another four years on so pretty pretty awesome so all right you have next level yeah next level as um as their business expands and grows um they are still kind of a a newer company but they um are no they're not bashful to grow and they are out there trying to um grow and put in the work so they are always looking for dealers, and they're trying to expand their network for that. Um, whether it's it's going to be you in a garage setting, you know, selling it out of your garage, or if um, you want to get it into your local pro shop, uh, they're also open to that too. They they can do that, and uh, you just got to tell your local shop like, hey man, uh, you should look into next level deer supplements, and then you know let them do the work, and then you can just go there, pick up your feed, and. Um, it, you, you'll have it there hopefully for the rest of uh, rest of the time. So that's the way that you can help them grow or get product in your area locally. So um, go ahead and do that. And if you want to look at their product or if you do get into your pro shop and they want some more information, you can direct them to nextlevelwithdeer.com. All right. Well, like I said, guys, you're really going to enjoy this episode. Um, ton of knowledge. Um, and we're going to have Bill back on to do kind of a really cool special episode um talk about i don't know if we're going to do the top five or the top 10 most unpatternable bucks Mm -hmm. and the weird shit that they did during the multi-year study the way that Um, my brain works is we're probably only gonna be able to get like five in because i'm gonna have some yeah when he was telling us about that one buck in the swamp i was like dude i want all the knowledge just tell me everything right now so i'm excited to have bill back on and talk to him. Um, that is going to be an awesome episode. 
Um, we'll probably record that and release it closer to season just because it's I'm I'm anticipating that we haven't even recorded it yet. So Yeah, exactly. But uh here we go. All right, guys, we got Bill from Spartan Forge on tonight. I am super excited uh to for you guys to listen to this episode. So much data about to come in your ear holes right now. And um, I'm just jacked about this. I'm jacked about getting this app in my hands and using it. Got to mess around with it some last year and blown away by it. Uh, but we'll let we'll let the guy who created it talk about it. So how are you doing tonight, Bill? Hey, good. How are you, man? I'm doing good, man. A uh, huge shout out to you for coming on the show um, and, and creating this app. Like you said, you... Uh, at the beginning, you're just trying to create something to to give more time back to your family, make the time that you hunt more successful, more valuable. And we're huge about that here. We both have kids and wives and you want to go in the woods and, you know, you want to you want to get it done on a big deer. Or you want to you want to kill, fill the freezer. You want to make make your time as valuable as possible, be in the best spot you can. And that's what this app is all about. And I know we're about to break down a lot of data so uh for the listeners get your note pins out and uh you're gonna want to watch this one on youtube uh because we're gonna go through the app a little bit and talk about the things that this app has that a lot of the other apps out there don't have um so just go ahead and uh first bill let's start off with just a little bit about yourself your background and uh how you decided to create this app so uh, again, thanks for having me on the podcast, guys. Um, my name is Bill Thompson. I'm a uh, I'm an active duty military officer right now. Uh, I actually retire in July um, from 21 years of service. So uh, you know, the the military has kind of got what got me started in all of this. Uh, all of the work that I did uh, coming up, you know, to this juncture in my life is something I probably did in the military first, or I can certainly say I did in the military first. Uh, different target, uh, different intent and different market, different consumer, but the same, you know, it's, you know, you got something that doesn't want to be caught or killed um, and you're trying to get out there and, and see it and kill it. Right. So, you know, uh, surprisingly, when you break all of these things down to what I like to call like the first principles approach to hunting, what it is, is you have a target that doesn't want to be, that doesn't, that's trying to avoid detection, but still, you know, uh, achieve his goals. So, you know, as a, First, a military officer spending lots of time from home uh, and, and as a hunter who spends a lot of time from home, you know, most guys I know who are very serious whitetail hunters or addicts um, for, for a matter uh, or put it in a, uh, in a better way, uh, you know, they need five, six, seven, eight different types of repositories of information um, if they want to, you know, capitalize on maybe, you know, getting as much meat in the freezer as you said or that trophy buck on the table. So, you know, the goal of my company, the long and the short of it is, is to take all of that data and make it palatable and easily understood by, you know, hunters of all walks of life and save them time scouting, but allowing them to still ethically go afield and, and do something where they're still invested. Like my, I don't pretend to say this. And if anyone has ever taken this from me in the past, it would not be the case. My apps aren't going to put you right on top of deer. They're going to give you good opportunities to make the best of your time in the woods and choose what I think is statistically accurately and demonstrably shown to be the best time in the woods. Does that mean we're going to be right every time? No, but, it, but we are right from what, you know, 
our pro staffers are feeding back to me and what I'm seeing and other customers that have used the prediction are seeing around 65% of the time. It's absolutely you know, correct, which, um, you know, judging the other apps that are out there that do this, um, you know, they're, they're not at that level, at least from what I can see. And I can say that because I'm comparing other apps to actual GPS data. So I'm not just, you know, saying this prediction is not good. What I'm doing is I'm going and pulling the predictions from those other models. I'm typing in the zip codes of where I'm getting these deer from, these deer GPS, collared GPS um, studies from. And then I'm actually evaluating how much movement was there that day? Was it a good day to be in the woods? Um, and, and I can tell you my from my experience, and I'll just say that, um, you know, our app is the only one where the models are truly being trained by deer. And, and this is not a Bill Thompson model or a Garrett Prawl model or an Andy May model or a Greg Litzinger model. This is a uh, deer model. It's, it, this is what the deer, the deer are educating this model and nothing else. Um, and that's the advantage of artificial intelligence. You know, the last thing I'll kind of say on this way too long introduction is we're trying to automate the instinctual reasoning process that a deer would use in the field. So what we're doing is we're observing deer behavior on a massive scale. We're drawing patterns from that. And then we're projecting those patterns on future states or future events. So, I mean, the, the, the best way of saying that is if, if, you know, I'm trying to put a bullet in Cody's rear end, um, I want, I want, and I'm trying to do it, you know, the best time possible. I'm going to find out, you know, when does he go, when is he driving to work? What time does he drive there? What vehicle is he driving there? What route does he take to work? Are there days where he varies his route and what would be the reason? Like maybe you like taking a street that floods generally whenever there's a lot of rain. So whenever there's a lot of rain, expect to see you on the highway on your way to work. Um, and then there's, you know, every Thursday, your wife wants you to pick up groceries on the way home for dinner or something. So you vary your route. So I understand all of those things. And then I look at future states and I say, okay, here are the patterns I've de derived from the way that this guy moves in the world. So now let's project them. And then, you know, if I've got a guy who wants to go pull the trigger, um, you know, it's kind of a macabre way or dark way of making the comparison, but I feel like it's something most people understand. So uh, if I want to have the best chance of getting after you, um, you know, my app's going to do that. And the predictions of my app are, is it best to find him, you know, in his bed at home, in his living room, or is it best to find him on a certain day in transition between a place that he's going and a place that he's coming from, like from bedding to food, or, is he, or could he be anywhere today? Is it a Saturday for Cody and he could be at the park, he could be at the mall, he could be in the field, he could be scouting. Is it a full range day? So that's a really long ex explanation. And I'm sorry, I'm going to shut my mouth and drink a beer and let you guys um, get in here on this because I could talk all night about it. I really like how yeah, you so said that, that you are letting the deer project the model instead of, you know, you having six guys get in a room and come up with what you think that deer was doing or why you think that deer was in that area because we don't really truly know like these are wild animals and we don't you can't understand that unless you are in the herd you know what i'm saying so yep. being able to have that deer collared and track him and see see actually what he was doing in that area code that day um i think that's a very good start to your app yeah absolutely i think the other thing that i like to tell people the other comparison would be Anytime you're trying to make a predictive model, you're trying to remove any bias. And, and inherently, anyone can tell you that when you're training an artificial intelligence, 
the, the worst kind of bias is human bias because we all come to the table with our own ideas about how things work and why things work this way. And what we're doing is we're abstracting the human away from that. And, and a good comparison, again, on the killing Cody. Um, sorry, Cody, I'm going to keep going back to this. But, but you can another, kill me, bro. I'm a pretty easy target. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm we all normal. are. I don't do anything abnormal. <laughs> Ain't got much meat yeah, on yeah. his bones, though. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it would kind of be like, you know, getting the guy at, um, I don't know, maybe Cody's got a favorite bow place that he likes to go to to get new arrows or get his arrow bow tuned or something like that. Let's just say that as a hypothetical. And then we go to that guy and we say, okay, how do we kill Cody? Well, he's only going to be able to give us his data from his foxhole, which is going to have bias, which is like, he might be like, I see him all the time. Well, what does that mean for him? Like we're in the military, especially in like the intelligence disciplines, we talk about something called placement and access. In other words, where is he placed along Cody's route? And then what is his access to Cody? Um, and, and is his placement and access constant? And in the, in the condition for the bow tuner, it's not. It's dependent on when he needs his bow tuned. So if I were to, you know, that, that, that is kind of the analog for having a human train this machine. Uh, the human's input is only going to be as good as the human hunter. And it's going to be based on his style. So if you've got somebody coding, let's just say we're having like a Dan Infault provide the input. Well, Dan's always in beds, right? He's always in deer beds. So in Dan's model, deer movement would be off the chart all of the time when that's really not the, the reality of the situation. In other words, if you are working a deer's bedding area and you know it, you have very good placement and access. Um, but if you're somebody who doesn't manage your own plot or you're on very hard and aggressively hunted public land, or you're in an area where you only have 20 acres and deer don't bed on your 20 acres, you don't want to go in there on a core movement day and put your scent everywhere and educate those deer that aren't bedding on that property because they might come in long after you've left the tree stand and then they're, then they're educated because they know you've been there. You want to wait until the app is saying, look, this is the day when the deer are going to be moving and they're going to be leaving their core bedding areas early and they're going to be getting into your area early and this is the day you need to be hunting your 20 acres. And then on the flip side, um, for transition or bedding, you know, it's just best to know you know, statistically, when is the time that, what, what would be the best day that Cody's going to be at the bow tuner? Um, and then there's other things that we can plug into that formula when we know more than just what the bow tuner knows um, to say that maybe we know he shoots something like, you know, 50, 80 arrows a day. And um, every two weeks he goes there, right? That would be information the bow tuner doesn't have unless the bow tuner knew that. So now, because we, when we put a GPS collar on Cody and we're seeing those movements every day, now we can derive a pattern and that pattern's not dependent on one person's take on the battlefield. So again, that's a really long um, convoluted explanation and I'm sorry, but the, the data science just deserves that level of analysis because otherwise I'm simplifying it too much and it seems like magic and it's not magic. What this is is just really high resolution pattern recognition um i guess is the best way to put it yeah when we first heard about it we kind of dug into it and i got a background from the guy and just huge respect for you for having a product but then waiting until you had the data before you come out with the product some people think they have an idea and they're like man i need to jump out there and get it to the people right away but you know you you had this idea and you held back you said hey i'm gonna hold back 
years because I want all this data to have to provide people before I come forward for it. So that took balls in yourself instead of going out there and making a quick buck and saying, Hey, this data's coming and it's going to be there. You, I mean, you waited to get it. And then the fact that it's coming from a military background, like yourself, I mean, huge respect for what you do. Um, but that just made me draw to it also because you guys are trained to kill. And when you put it as a mindset of you're trying to, you know, you're trying to target an animal, like you're trying to target a human in the same kind of, you know, area that made me draw to it right away. Like, damn, this is something different that I haven't heard of. It's not some tactic that some guy's doing. He's just going like to the legit science and data behind what's going on and saying, this is, this is how I would do it. Instead of saying, well, I feel like this might be a good option. You're just saying, well, the data says this, you know, it's hard to argue with data compared to a feeling. Yeah. I mean, and you're right. You know, I wanted to wait until we had a volume of data that was large enough to train a model that predicted well, but also was from all over the country. Um, I could have very well made a model with just like most of my data in the beginning was from the Southeast. I could have very quickly made a Southeast model and applied it everywhere. And, and I can tell you now the data bears out. It just wouldn't have worked for like the Midwest um, or where you guys are in Illinois or the very far Northeast. Um, deer up there um, have a biological imperative to pay attention to the weather in a way that the deer down south don't. Um, you know, if a buck, you know, feels a huge pressure change coming, um, that affects deer far differently in Minnesota, North Dakota, or Illinois. And I can say that statistically with the data um, versus how it affects the deer down in the southeast. I mean, it's it's night and day um, and, and how the prediction is, is altered or affected by weather based on the proximity of the deer or where it's found on the ground. Um, and there's also things like up, up north that don't happen with deer down south. Like deer down south um, seem to be uh, really, uh, you know, rain has a different effect on them. Humidity has a different effect on them. Being in a floodplain has a different effect on them. Um, things like that just drive so many biological imperatives for them that it doesn't affect deer in the north. Like deer in the north need to mate during a seven-day window and if they don't get their mating in that seven to 10 day window, those fawns will drop too early or too late. And they'll either die from being dropping too early and there's not food on the ground, or they'll drop too late and they won't have enough body fat storage for that next winter. So that, that makes that period very pronounced in the North where, you know, when I'm getting new data from the Midwest, I can see as it's drawing, it'll draw like, like a movement bell curve. And every day we'll get like a amount of movement or like linear distance covered in a day. You can see the data. You can see the rut in that data plain as day. It's just like movement, movement, movement like this. And then October, you know, 31st, it just goes like this. And then November 7th, it's like this. And then it's off the charts for like three days and it goes back down. And then about 28 days later, it's back up to like a little bit of a spike and then back down. That's the North, right? Like it's got to happen during that time. And if it doesn't, they've evolved that way. So it happens. But then in the South, it's like this and then this and then crazy out of nowhere. And it's not the same as the year before. And then more of this and then crazy, crazy, crazy. And then down. And then you'll get spikes like in the South, you'll get, you'll get spikes over a four month period that are indicative of rutting data where it's like, 
you know, does are being mated in October, November, December, January, February, March, and April. And it's just like, it's, it's crazy. And then when you start looking at the elevation data uh, related to it, and, and then you ask the why, you know, certain deer in certain areas come into estrus at a certain time they do because every year there's a flood in that area where they usually, usually have to up ass and move out of the AO, out of the, out of the area, because they don't want their fawns dropping during this time when there's flooding. So they go up to a different area or they relocate, they go into estrus, they get mated, then they go to another area. That is not a concern in the north. The deer have not evolved, you know, up there in the past few thousand years to have to deal with that. The only thing they're worried about is the timing of when those fawns drop. And it's got to be that May time frame, like I said before. So yeah, waiting on that, that's all to say waiting on the data for me was the only responsible way to do this. Um, because like you said, I could have made a quick buck and just, you know, waited, you know, until I had enough data to train a model. And what would have happened was I wouldn't have had the long game in mind and it might've done fine for me for a couple of years, but hunters are a, are a critical crowd. And it, it would have been evident in my system that this, this thing wasn't accurate everywhere. Like we are trying to say it will be. Um, and then we might, you know, uh, fail earlier than we wanted to. So for us, it was, you know, I'd like to say it was a result of my discipline, but it was more of a result of my fear of the hunting community. Uh, so, you know, Savages you know this, out there. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And people are not, you know, they're all about cutting something down, right. Good, bad, or indifferent for the right reasons or the wrong ones. Um, and surprisingly, and this is the God's honest truth, the only um, chief complaint I've had this year is you guys need an app. Like I need this to be an app that I can use in the field. Like yeah. nobody has said, Oh, I think your predictions are bullshit. I don't think this works. I think your weather is crap. I think your app looks like ass. No one's really said those things so far. Mind you are only into a couple thousand users, but um, that couple thousand users, you know, we launched after about 80% of the prime ruts were over in the, in the country and we launched with zero advertising. So everybody who has signed up, it's been word of mouth or on a podcast, and it's been a great crowd to evaluate this in its nascent form or its early stages, because the people who are signing up for this thing care about deer hunting, and they care about the prediction enough that they just wouldn't sign up for this thing after a podcast, you know? We're not out there getting the people who are on the fence yet with advertising and, you know, big names and all of that stuff. This has just been, you know, Yolman's work and word of mouth stuff, so you know, I'm pretty proud of that so far, but again, it, you know, I wish it was discipline, like you said, <laughs> that led it there, but it was more a fear of the consumer, which I think more companies should operate that way. Yeah. You know? um, I mean, every the hunting industry has always got the new thing that's going to change the game. going to make you be able more successful and everybody's trying to come out. So hunters are like kind of skeptical of stuff, but for a guy like me and homie that loves the data, we kind of geek out on stuff like this. Like the data that you receive, seeing those peaks and stuff would be so, <laughs> Dude, be so interesting to, to look at, to see just to look at, you know what I mean? And that's what you get with this app. You get to see like, okay, today is consistently a good movement day for deer that were collared in my area. Yep. Like there's something about the day, the weather, everything's coinciding and making that magic sauce that makes today a good movement day for the data. And maybe you got three vacation days or maybe you got a week or maybe you're like, Hey, I'm going to sneak out early on 
one night this week. You go there, you say, well, Wednesday by the data looks like a really good day. So I'm going to go out Wednesday instead of saying, well, you know, this day is might be good. You know what I mean? You just, you're just going off of maybe what you've seen on the weather, but it could be the date. Three days in the woods, white during the rut is huge. You know what yep. I mean? Especially yep. if it's per your area. So if you can get it narrowed down to what you got going on, you know, in your region could be, could be definitely huge on the amount of deer you see. And that's the main thing. Like everybody wants to kill, but everybody also wants just to have a good hunt and see deer. Like right. you just want to go out there and see some deer. And if you hunt on those high movement days, your odds are just that much more in your favor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I couldn't have said it better because right now what our model does is it predicts for the general deer. And I think a couple of times you and I have talked about this on the phone, but we are trying to put together a mature buck model. Um, and I'll tell you, the, those, those two models couldn't be more different. Like what the things, when a mature buck is moving and when the general deer is moving, um, is there some relation? Yes. But when I look at like, you know, the amount of days that a very mature, highly pressured buck, I always hearken back to this study that I got from Louisiana, or it wasn't a study, it was a, uh, it was a group of guys, I think it was, I think this data, and I got to look again, I should, I shouldn't even say what it's from until I know for sure. So I'll just say I got data from Louisiana. And on this property, they had a seven and a half year old deer that was only, not a massive deer. I think he's 135, 140 inches or something like that. But he was seven and a half years old. And the interesting thing about that, we had this deer's data for four years. And this is not the rule. This is the exception. OK, um, but this deer didn't did not participate in any of the early rutting. So we'd see like where the other bucks are just going nuts and moving all day long and going after the first ester still and stuff like that. And this deer just stayed in like his section of the swamp and just never left it um, until the second rut. And then during the second, like when the, 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 the fawns are coming into estrus or any does that for whatever reason weren't mated during the first cycle um, are standing or receiving, he, would, he went out one day for like eight or 12 hours. Um, I think his longest excursion one year was 36 hours. And then he went right back to that bedding area and never left it again. And, and to me, it's just like, you might get some pictures of that deer at night and be like, oh, I've got a great deer in this area or something. Or some guys might be like, oh, I've got a traveler, this deer I've never seen before. That deer, if you don't have the cameras placed perfectly, you could own all of that property and never get a picture of them. And, and, and that also leads me to another Alabama deer that I saw that was similar. I think he, I want to say he was about 145 inches and I think he was six years old. From this particular Alabama data, I had all of the trail camera images from all of the feeders that they had on the property. And this buck, um, uh, you know, there's something, it's a, I say it as a kind of a joke or tongue in cheek, but there's a lot of truth to it. There's like the mature pressured deer on that property who's like seven or eight years old. And that's like the Chuck Norris deer of that property. And then there's the rest of them, right? And like these Chuck Norris deer, this buck on, and I want to say this was like 2014 or 2015 data that I'd gotten from this study in Alabama. And uh, he never showed on any of the feeding cameras after October 15th until like December something. And he was on that property the whole time. And I had GPS data where he would just win these areas and then move on to the next place. Like he was not going there to feed. 
If you didn't smell an estrus doe, you weren't going to see him in front of the camera. And like, if you're a hunter that didn't have a GPS on this thing, and then you saw him in the field one day, you'd be like, oh, I've got a traveler buck, or this buck has come from another property, or he's trailing a hot doe and he's been brought here from somewhere else. When in reality, he's been there the whole freaking time. It's just when Chuck Norris is in the is in the jungle in Vietnam and he sees a cheeseburger, he stays as hell, far away from that cheeseburger as he can. He'll have nothing to do with it, probably because when he was two, he watched his buddy get an arrow in the eye socket because he went and ate some corn. And then he thought to himself, not a good idea. And then the second time he saw, has it happen, you know, his mom or someone got an arrow, you know, and, and then a two and a half year old deer at that point made a decision that this corn area is not a good idea. And, and, and I'm only going to use them like you would expect Chuck Norris to, which is to his advantage. This is an area where after sundown, I can go and win the does. If there is a doe that's hot, I'll go in there and mate her. If there's not, it's on to the next one. And that's all he did. He would just go along these, um, these feeding stations and he would not feed in the feeding stations. He ate his acorns that were on the side of his hill and no one else went there. Um, and it's just to me, I say all of that to say the mature buck model is going to be hard from a marketing standpoint because it's going to show you like five days a year that are good to hunt a deer. And it's like, who wants to pay for a model that's going to tell you every day's core movement, um, you know, and, and that here's the three days where this thing thinks and mind you, it's only going to be right 60% of the time on these three days, right? So, you know, that's a hard thing to sell somebody, you know what I'm saying? Um, but it's the truth, and it speaks to your point before that I'm, I can't manipulate the data. I would do that to my peril, right? It would kill the the it would kill the allure of this model, right? You know, you nobody should think they can go out and just slay Chuck Norris, you know, you know. And, and if you think you can, I got something else coming for you. You know, there, there's just you know, uh, uh, there's just they're too smart, and they're like not like any other deer in the deer woods. It's not saying they're not killable. They still mess up. They all still seem to do their excursion once a year where they'll go to like a crazy one-off property and they'll spend a little bit of time there and then come back. Um, and it always seems to be random, but 99.9% .9 of the time they're staying in the core area until dark. Um, and if you want to kill that buck, you need to know where he's bedding and you need to get in there without him knowing. Damn. That's awesome, man. The way he, what he was just talking about is that buck skirting and just winding them does. I just ran through like 17 deer that you get a picture of and then it comes like October 10th and the, you think the deer's gone, but he's probably actually there the whole he's damn still, time. Yeah, he's still he, there he, the you whole know, time. He's just, he's just doing his thing he's now. He knows like, where all the cams are. He's just skirting it. <laughs> yeah, Ryan, and, and that, that makes a great point that I should have brought up and I'm glad you said that. Um, I don't, when I look at the movement curves, I don't see an October lull. I see one of right. two things. I, I, I see an October shift. And what that October shift is, they're either moving to an area that's more conducive to start smelling does. And therefore your camera setups that you had 15 October are no longer any good. Or he started moving more strategically because he understands there's going to be a rise in pressure in the woods, human pressure. Right, right. So he's just changing the way that he's using those areas. They, they will shift their core areas, but they don't just abandon that doe herd that they've been checking scrapes on all year round. You know what I'm saying? Like that, those scrapes licking or the licking branches, especially, I can tell where they are in the data because they're getting hit all year round. 
Like I, I can go on the ground to an area and be like, I know there's going to be a licking branch here because it's getting hit by these bucks every evening. Um, and that's the only thing that would draw them there beyond food. Um, but the, the food doesn't draw them come October, the ladies do. So I know that it's a sexual, um, like it's a signaling uh, mechanism for them. So yeah, I mean, the, the October lull is more of a shift than it is a lull. And, and guys shouldn't assume that deer are off the property. It can happen, but more often than not, that's not what I see in the data. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, man. I, I'm geeking out on this stuff. I love data and just like that off the wall kind of this is this is just a tactic that's not out there that has because there's models out there but there's nothing that has the data tracking deer behind it that you can be like okay this model says that you know these this was a good movement day for deer in general so uh there's a bunch of stuff that i want to talk to getting into that but let's get into the breakdown of the app um, just yeah. so for our listeners here, you guys are going to want to go to the YouTube because he's going to actually pull this up on the screen and run down what you're going to get through the app. We will talk about some of the stuff. There's a couple of key features that I do want to talk about that I think are really awesome that you're not going to get in other apps, but he's going to go through everything on YouTube. So if you want to go there and watch this, um, definitely want to make that happen. Yeah, I'm just going to share my screen here once I get logged in because somehow I think you guys saw this beforehand, but I had all of this stuff prepped <laughs> and I go back to my machine and it's as if Murphy got a vote. So um, I'm going to share my screen now and then I'll go to like the main app page here um, and then you guys tell me when you can see it and then I'll know okay. to start. You know? We got a licking yep. branch up there. Yep, there it is. You got it. Um, so the, I'm looking to the side here. I'm not looking at the screen set, uh, a, a few monitors in front of me. So I'm sorry. I'm not looking at the screen as I'm briefing people this, but it's on a separate screen from my, um, what I'm looking at you guys on. So, um, what we can do here is we can, we can actually, add if you guys want to give me the zip, uh, zip code of where you guys are at, I can kind of run you through data from, from where you guys are at. It might be more interesting to your, um, localized hunters there or people who listen to you who might be in your area. Yeah, hit him with a zip, homie. What's your zip? Uh, six one four three zero. So what what we have here is a breakdown, and I should say for your listeners, all of this is changing very soon. So we have first we have a historical feature that's gonna we're trying to push out for um, the scouting season. Um, we have a couple little snags that we're working on right now to just perfect it. Um, as I kind of told you guys earlier, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So before these things come out, I want to make sure that they're stone cold and solid and they work every time. Uh, and so there's a couple of things we're, we're get coming out here with, but basically what we're looking at here is we have these representations in this, and this one here is our weather card. We just have like a sunrise and a sunset. And then it has kind of an explainer that says in your area, you're generally seeing visible light or ethical hunting hours or illegal hunting hours 30 minutes before that. And then here's your 30 to 40 minutes afterwards. You have your moon rise and your moon set, the, uh, the illuminance right there. And then you have moon overhead and moon underfoot. I include that. Like I haven't had a correlation in the data yet to suggest that moon overhead or moon underfoot does anything for movement. But I also realize that I'm not a sage and that I still use it 
I was trained to use it by people that I respect. And um, there's something important here that I should touch on that I don't touch on as often as I should, but it's that we have a learned tradition of hunting and that there are people like our grandparents and people that made observational statements and, 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 and practices. For instance, my mentor and a, and a guy that I worked with and respected and loved um, was Charlie Alzheimer. And he was my first guy that kind of got me into the market um, and made the first introductions that I had. And, you know, I went hunting with him and I, his son and I still talk. And, um, and uh, he really had his moon theory stuff out there. And, you know, again, uh, you know, he compiled that over many years with academics that I respect. And I'm going to have that Charlie Alzheimer moon prediction on our mobile app. Do I, have I correlated it with my movement data? No, but there's some, you know, there's a, there's an adage here that I think is important. And that is I might double my data in the next year. And then all of a sudden I'm seeing that correlation. Whereas I didn't have enough data to see it before. I still use it. I've still been successful using it. So therefore I'm still putting it in here because I think ultimately it's important that we value where we come from as hunters and we don't just dispatch with the old because there's something new. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I still drive the same truck in the 1989 F-150. I'm going to drive that truck probably until I'm dead. I love that truck. Um, I also love the Tesla Cybertruck. And when that thing comes out, I might think about buying one. It's ugly as sin, but it drives itself and it'll pick me up in a parking lot. Right. So I have the brand new cutting edge thing, but I also have like what I will depend on in the zombie apocalypse. Right. Like, <laughs> like you have to, you need balance in life. And I think the, an important balance to have is always looking for what's new and innovative that can help you, but always honoring where you came from. And if you don't do that, you become ideological and you just roll with one, you're going to miss the whole story. So that's all to say someone might be like, hey, Bill, why are you as a data scientist putting these things in here that don't seem to correlate? And it's like, well, A, in some areas it does correlate, but it doesn't correlate with generally with gear. So, that's a long explanation on why you're seeing that there and why you see other things like that throughout my work. And that's because uh, I work hard to honor the people who came before me. And I just see this as a continuing, I'm continuing their work and I'm just updating it like any model should be updated. You shouldn't, every model needs to evolve and change over time. And if you think you've built the, the perfect model then you're gonna fail by that sword, right? Um, so I'm sorry, I'm, I'm on my high horse here. I'm in the military and I'm a warrant officer. And we've got this thing called the warrant officer soapbox. You just saw a good example of what it's like when a warrant <laughs> officer is on a soapbox. So let me step <laughs> off of that thing. Um, and then here is just a little learn more tab. That tells you, you know, the farther north you go in a location, the farther it takes for true darkness to arrive after sundown. We're just giving more explanatory data. And then we talk about some um, hunters believe moon overhead, moon underfoot is valuable data. Like I said, I still use that stuff. I still use Charlie's predictions. I never miss a prediction when Charlie says this, you know, when his work said this is the day to be in the woods, I never miss that day. I never will. Um, I've killed some big deer on those days and I continue to believe that they, they knew something other people didn't. Um, here's just your general forecast. And then here over here is kind of the guts. And this is really what I wanted to get out this year. And these are the predictions. Um, and what, what you see here is, there are three possible predictions. Sorry, I'm drinking beer, so I'm going to belch here a couple of times. I apologize. But what you see here is transition prediction pretty much every day. Um, 
And basically what, you know, deer are settling in their, into their patterns right now. And this is a time of year when you're going to start seeing more deer in the field earlier than you normally would. So uh, the, the, the transition is evident because everywhere I drive and go, even places, public places that I can hunt and see from the highway, um, where I generally would be happy if I saw a deer within 500 yards of that field at 5 p.m., they're now in the middle of that field at 3 p.m. So that's to say the general deer is moving earlier this time of year. And then the pattern here is just basically wind pattern or the correlation with pattern is favored highly by wind. In other words, the way that a deer will leave its bedding area and negotiate to either a scrape line or a rub line or a transition area or a food source is heavily dependent on the wind. So if, it's a, if they're used to leaving that bedding with the majority wind, say it's a north wind, right? Then they have a way that they approach a scrape line. They have a way that they approach a field. And it's all to keep the wind in their favor. So basically what this pattern is saying is you have very abnormal pattern for the next two days, then it normalizes, then it goes back to an abnormal pattern. I'm guessing if you were to look into the precipitation amounts and the wind, you'd be able to see how that correlates with the data. Um, although the pattern thing is something we're continuously improve on. As we ingest new data, we're able to predict in some areas as high as 71% accuracy on what type of movement they'll be in. So if that's core area movement, transition area movement, or um, full range movement, there's three boxes. And between, you know, right now we're between about 61, 67 and 71% of the time. We just did a data dump yesterday. Um, we're predicting that correctly. On, on pattern, we're less, we're in the low 60s. Um, so we're trying to refine that pattern. I really believe that the top of the general data model is probably like 75%. In other words, we're gonna be able to predict whether a deer is trying to get out there and feed as early as possible or search for mates as early as possible, 75% um, of the time for the general deer. Now, what does that mean? That means 25% of the time we're gonna be wrong um, and it's gonna be way off. Um, and I think generally that number is going to be like 35% of the time. And I'm not sure we're going to get any better than that because of the nature of animals and predictability, right? I just think it's, that's about where we're at. And then what we have here is, you know, some descriptions below this, like what does movement mean? What are the options that come with movement? What does pattern mean? Um, and then from there we go to uh, our peak breeding. So it looks like in your guys's area where you're at, peak breeding. And I'll explain this more because I did get a lot of messages this year about like, Hey, I think your rut date's probably like six or seven days off where I think, you know, you're early or late, you know, I get a lot of those messages. Um, this was part of like an exhaustive data search for me that took about three years. And, and what that means is I went and got uh, a peer reviewed study from every area that I could in the country that referenced rut dates um, and collected those from all over for every county in the U.S. And then I went to data that we got from those counties and then car collision data, and we lined those dates up to make sure it was correct. So uh, what peak breeding on November 15th means is probably that's the worst day for you to be in the deer woods. And why, why I say that is that is when most of your does will be in estrus, which means most of the bucks will have them in lockdown which means unless you're in those core area with those deer while you're, they're mating, you're not going to see anything. So what, what that means is you should be seeing your best movement starting about 15 days before this or so, maybe 16, and then 
continuing on in like an inverted bell curve where on the 15th, it gets horrible. And then your movement will pick up again after the 15th and then really drop off depending on how north you are between five and 15 days later. Um, like where you guys are in Illinois, I'm imagining that window to be much tighter um, where you might have good movement 10 days before that. And then poor movement as you adjust to the, get to the 15th and then better movement after. So we're going to get better at displaying this so it makes sense to the hunter. But for all intents and purposes, the best way to think about this is if you're very, very far north, we're talking about like maybe 12 days before that. As you get farther south, and we're talking about maybe 20 or 25 days before that number, you'll start seeing bucks cruising during the daytime hours, especially the older and wily ones um, that are trying to find that first um, doe um, who's coming into estrus. You might start seeing strange bucks or new bucks or whatever, because at that point, they are willing to look for her and travel, um, some of them. So that's to say the 15th is when the most does are bred. So, uh, you know, and I, I'm, I'm, har I'm harping on that because a lot of the mail I get is like, hey, dude, I feel like your date's like a week off. I feel like in my family, we always say the best deer movement's like November 8th in this area. And then I'll go back to them and say, yeah, that you're absolutely right. It probably is the 8th. And the reason why it's the 8th is that's when you're just about to hit the cusp of when a ton of does are coming into, into estrus and all of the bucks are just waiting for that thing to kick off and they're moving a lot more in anticipation of it. And then the secondary breeding window is 28 days later. And then your guys' rutting moon for this year is November 19th. Um, and then in this rut forecast here, it gives another breakdown of all of those things. And then below here, what we have is we just have your historical averages for the last two weeks. We're gonna be pushing an update soon uh, that we're testing right now. That's basically gonna allow you to manipulate this data. You're gonna be able to look at the last two weeks, the last month, the last three months, last six months. And then you're gonna be able to choose months that will display data for the last 30 years. So say you guys are going to Missouri where you've never hunted before and you wanna do some digital scouting and then you're gonna have one day where you can drive out there for a weekend and do some boots on the ground scouting. You're gonna be able to look at, like if you know when you're gonna go there, like October 15th say, you can get October's weather and you can look at the 15th and you can say, right, here's the wind for the two weeks going up for the last 30 years. And it you know, generally balances out where wind is consistent in areas. And then what this polar plot down here just tells me that your prevailing wind direction, and it's explained at the bottom here, is an Eastern wind about 15% of the time. In other words, that's the most wind for the last two weeks. And then you have what looks like you have a Southern wind that's probably coming in somewhere at about 12 or 15%. And then you have a Northeast wind as well. And then you have all of these subwinds. So if you're going to go, say that, th say that this was, say I was scouting your guys's area for um, this time of year and I'm looking at yearly data, right? Well, all of my digital scouting now is gonna be oriented towards a Northeast and East and a Southern um, uh, a wind, right? So when I'm looking for leeward ridges or I'm looking for pinch points that allow deer to tra you know, travel between core areas or whatever, I want the ones where the deer will be choosing them based on this wind. And then, and then here is just a very simplified map that is just showing you guys' wind right now. So where we're going with all of this is we are developing an application right now that we're going to be getting on the App Store here um, in, the, in the near term future. Um, and we've totally revamped how all of this looks and as well adding a ton of features. I can talk a little bit about that tonight, but um, 
like I said before, I am kind of wary about bringing things out until I know they're fully fleshed out and ready for prime time. So um, uh, if there are no, if you guys have questions about this or anything else that you want to explain, I'm happy to do that right now. Um, if not, I can kind of kick over to the briefing that I have to kind of show your your <clears throat> your guys a couple more things that we're doing. Uh, one thing that I want to touch on is just the weather data, the wind data for the last 30 years. I really like that feature. I like that it's on the same app because if you go, say you drive somewhere and you're going to do some scouting and maybe you're on public and you're going to hang two stands while you're there for the upcoming season, you can look and be like, okay, I'm going to be here on the 20th of October. The last 30 years, what was the prevailing wind for that area? And if it's 40, 50, 60% this, you got a pretty good, chance that it's going to be that because there's nothing worse than waking up you got a preset stand and you got the wrong win because you yep. planned on this and for some yep. you know it's not happening but if you have the prevailing wind for an area you can plan on okay the last 30 years is a lot of data more than likely it's going to be that so we're going to set up for this we'll have a backup stand for maybe the second most yep you know the 25 30 percent wind data and then, you know, if something crazy happens, we'll we'll have a mobile setup or whatever. But having yep. those those years to combine the data on, I think, is really awesome in that one app. Because a lot of places, like I use Weather Underground, where you got to go from your hunting app, look at the area, then go to Weather Underground. So if you wanted to do, you'd have to pick your zip code and then go to Weather Underground. You got to grow all the way through the dates, and it's it's and you got it all in one spot. You know, I mean, so for ease of use, this is definitely a win. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, it's the reason why I built these things this way is, you know, my primary my primary concern this hunting season, this past hunting season, was just getting the prediction out there because it doesn't matter how accurate I am according to the data. If it's not resulting in people putting more deer on the ground or seeing more deer, um, it doesn't matter. And I, I'm happy to say that I got more messages from people saying either I, you know, I decided to. The, the prevailing message is from users has, has, has been, I decided to just only listen to the app and only hunt the full range days has been one type of message. And I saw, you know, bucks I'd never seen on the property before or, or amounts of movement that I've never seen. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm all about this, you know, and the follow-ups like, how do I invest or how do I become a part of this? Or, you know, I'd like to be on the pro staff, which is an awesome message to get. Um, and then the other one is like, if you go to like Garrett Prawl's um, podcast that he did when he killed one of his biggest bucks, long story short is he had, you know, I think two days of low prediction or core area prediction, and then a day of uh, transition area prediction on a three-day period. And him and his wife had picked these like two hot spots for prime rut when they were like, all right, November 8th, we will be in these stands. And, you know, they expected to see, deer and when they were looking at he told me looking at the forecast he's like i'm skeptical because you know your app is telling me core area movement in other words i shouldn't be seeing many deer and then a transition day which is kind of like your average day of movement and in the back of my mind i'm like oh crap i hope this thing is right because you know he's 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 you know this is his best setup day and he says in the video like the first two days him and his wife did not see one deer in an area that they expected to see lots of deer. Um, and then the third day they're like, all right, we're going to, we're going to trust this analysis. 
and we're going to go look for some transition out of bedding. And sure enough, they got on like a massive scrape, a fresh scrape that they found that was near some bedding that they knew of. And they set up on like a log and he aired like 150 inch deer at like 2 p.m. Um, and, and he said, you know, you can ask him yourself. He said, had I not had this app, I would have been in my perfect tree all three days. Like just knowing that eventually it was going to happen. But then when they checked the cameras and then him and his wife compared notes, they saw no deer those days. And is that going to happen for everyone? No, but it's just a good point of contact to say it, it will give you the general lesson in deer, which might allow you to get mobile. Whereas other words, you might've thought, oh, I should be in the tree. This is a perfect day. You know what I'm saying? So it, it just gives people that, you know, all I would say to people is, you know, if you've got the time, take two weeks of your hunting season and just rely on the app for the days that you hunt and just give it a shot and see how it does. And then the other thing with our historical data is you're going to be able to go back through all of our past predictions. So pull a camera from last year that is normally a, <clears throat> that is normally a deer camera that you're only seeing deer at night. Maybe it's on food or something like that. And then catalog every day that you see early day movement, right? Just put it in an Excel spreadsheet. Go back and look at our app and look at what the predictions were for those days. I guarantee you 60% of the time, 60 to 65% of the time, those will be transition or full range movement days that you'll see that those deer were hitting those historically places that you only get nighttime pictures. It might be like an inventory camera where you put some corn out or something. And all you're trying to do is find out what's on the property at night. When you look at the days that those deer are hitting it early, um, you know, 60 to 65% of the time, it's going to be simpatico with the app. And, and that's what all of our pro staff have found so far. The guys that have done this with soaked cameras. Um, and, you know, some of them have unbelievably high prediction numbers that they got out of it. And, and I know that this guy's being truthful because I don't pay him a penny for his time. Like he just wanted to use the app and he hunts a ton of deer and he's out in Georgia. And he had something like 73% of the time, this thing was telling him when deer were going to be moving on cameras that deer never move on in daylight and they were doing it. So, I mean, that's been the overwhelming um, response from people is, you know, this thing said low movement every day for seven days. I just didn't see how that was possible. And I hunted on those days where I thought it was going to be good and I saw nothing. Like I've got a ton of those messages. So, um, Anyway, it, it's just exciting. And that's really what I wanted to test for this year, which is why you see the, the, the program here in kind of its early stage, because the goal is just to get it out there and get it tested. Yeah, so let's, uh, you said that there's a few features that are coming that you can let our listeners and viewers uh, view to see what's coming up. I know you can't give it all away, um, but go ahead and let them know a couple of things that they can see in the coming future. So can you guys see that screen that I just brought up here? Yep. So um, this is kind of like a briefing I bring to people whenever I'm working with someone. I'm, I'm seeing things on here I wanted to delete because nobody cares what we look like or what we do for a living. Um, and I, again, you guys saw, how many times did you guys see me delete this earlier, right? And here I am doing it again. So I'm going to get rid of these things because... Uh, not ready to talk about them yet. Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness. So hopefully you guys can edit that little last part out there. Or may, maybe not. It doesn't matter. If it can't, then it's too much. And I've already, it's already the cat's out of the bag on some of it. So 
there you have it, folks. You just, uh, if you can pause it for a second there, you might be able to get a look at some stuff that you shouldn't have been able to get a look at. Did you guys not see me delete this stuff like three times before we started the podcast? Did that not happen? Like, is Murphy not getting an incredible vote right now? Anyway, um, so, you know, I talked about the problem that we have before. And, um, you know, basically it is we're using too many apps and too many sources of technology to get it down to the, you know, to beat, you know, what exactly is happening in the deer woods as it relates to weather and movement. Um, you know, our solution is this this program that I've been talking to you guys about today. This is like a screenshot from our app that we're developing right now. So, you know, uh, that, that's what that looks like in its, in its beginning forms. And that'll be, you know, available hopefully here in July if everything goes to plan. But what we are offering is a solution that's got like a common operating picture that we derive from my time in the special missions or special operations community that basically tells hunters where they should be and when they should be in the woods. So I've built, you know, I've got, um, uh, you know, depending on what you call combat between six and eight combat deployments. I say that because we are involved in active combat operations in Africa and the Philippines. Some people don't see those as de de declared areas of, um, you know, hostile or, or, or of action. Um, although, you know, there are people who are you know, shot at and killed out there who would disagree with you. But, um, you know, six deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan and a couple to the Philippines and Africa, um, using this stuff to get after a whole bunch of bad guys. Um, these methods, this methodology. So that kind of brings me here to my targeting model, which every, every product that I'm trying to create, everything that I'm trying to do has to answer all of these questions. And this is just like my Spartan Forge targeting model here. And uh, what I've done is I've lifted this from the fine fix finish um, model that the special operations community uses um, to build their operations. Um, it's actually called the F3 EAD model. And it's just, you know, if I'm trying to get after a particular target, what are all of the things that I need to know and do in order to effectively prosecute that target? And it's kind of, you can think of it as like first principles approach to killing. Like here are all of the things you need to be able to do and know about your target before you can go after them in a way that is responsible, A, you know, in the context of the military for the taxpayer's dollar and responsible for the young men and women who are, who are risking their lives to do that, if that makes sense. Like we need to have all of these answers before we do something. Um, so here, here's kind of like our how. This is how I'm getting it done right now. We are getting it done right now. So I, I referenced the GPS data before, right? So this is just a screen capture from a plot of GPS data, right? So you've got what is evidently two core areas here for this buck, and then kind of like his movement area. Uh, I believe this was over October or something like that. I can't remember. Um, and then we have our 30 years of weather data as another input. And then we have academic research. So what we do is we put this inside of a targeting model. You know, we derive all of the tools that we want to build with this data, and then the composite of those neural networks or the, or the layering of those neural networks that we build to first tag and then analyze and then predict on that data. When that's all together, we call that phalanx, which is just the Spartan term for the, uh, for the formation that they would use to engage the enemy. Um, and then we couple that with TensorFlow, which is Google's um, machine learning and artificial intelligence uh, 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 tool set that they have for training models, and then we deploy it on AWS. And then uh, what we've built here is our WEN model, our historical weather model, and what a lot of people haven't seen here is the bottom. And this is actually something we're still developing and testing right now, and this is our WEAR model. 
So I've kind of explained the wind model and the historical weather stuff. What I haven't talked about is our wear model. What the wear model does is it just says, based on this piece of ground that you've highlighted as kind of like your area, here's if, you know, if the general deer was to select bedding or move on this property, here's how it would get business done in this area. And again, that's just something that's um, derived from the, that, that GPS data that you see over here. It's just the difference is, is that we're inputting, instead of just this one deer, we're inputting hundreds of deer and, and thousands of hours of time. And when you add all of the data up, it's into the hundreds of years. In other words, if you were to be a hunter and you wanted to observe as much data, like actually see as much deer movement as we've cataloged, I'm, I'm going to lose the number now. We're, 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 I believe we're into 350 some odd years, approaching maybe 400 years. Of, of compiled deer data. So, I mean, it, it would just be impossible for any one guy or group of guys to make that kind of data. And that's 24 hours a day by the week, by the week, by the day, by that. I should say it as like, you know, I should go with like three hours a day, right? Cause that's generally how much most people get in the deer woods um, unless it's like prime rut and they're sitting or hunting all day, right? So, I mean, if we were to go that route then we're talking about like, it would take you 1200 years to get that much deer data and, and, and derive those kinds of patterns um, necessary to make the kind of predictions that our model makes. Um, so, you know, kind of like our differentiators that we've talked about ad nauseum, but basically it's highly accurate training data. You know, we're, we're not, this is not guesswork and it took me a long time to put all of this stuff together. Um, you know, military technology drives targeting and outdoor market innovation. You know, hunters know this, this is why like, when SEAL Team 6 says, this is the optic that we use, here's the EOTech that we use, here's the SOP mod kit that we use to, to you know, change our, our M4 carbines, or here's the sniper rifle and the type of composite barrel that we use, you know, uh, a company will go ahead and make that and then everyone will buy it because they know, hey, if it's good enough for a guy who's putting his life on the line, it's going to be good enough for me in the deer woods. Or if like, you know, there's a type of camo that comes up or an optic or eyewear or hats or gloves or whatever, right? It goes and gets field tested with the military for five or six years. And then you have it built by somebody who's not the lowest bidder, which is, you know, a private company that wants to make a profit. And then, you know, that, that really, a lot of that drives the outdoor market and innovation. I mean, GPS was born out of the military need to know where soldier and troop formations were on the ground. And we wouldn't have it on, you know, our mapping applications today. Um, if it wasn't, um, if it wasn't, uh, developed there first. Um, and then, you know, I talked about it again. I, I won't, I won't uh, say it too many times, but, you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning, it, you know, this is derived from my 20 plus years of prosecuting the global war on terrorism. Um, you know, September 11th happened while I was in initial entry training. Uh, the entire time that I've been a an active duty military member, we've been a country at war. So um, with the exception of the last couple of years, I guess you could say we're not at war anymore, but don't tell that to the guys who are in Iraq, Syria, or um, Northern Africa, um, you know, because we're still, you know, launching and conducting combat operations. I think Biden just blew up some guys a couple of weeks here um, ago. So, uh, you know, it's still happening today. So that's kind of the long and the short of this here. Um, if there are no questions, I'll stop presenting here. Um, and we can go back to the discussion if you guys like. Oh, you know what? I should have mentioned... Uh, one other thing here, you know, <clears throat> we're also developing a slide that's basically going to distill all of the, what I would call useful intelligence for a particular area um, as it relates to like 
where are the best spots for public deer hunting in your state? What are the doe to buck ratios in these areas? Um, what are the hunter success rates? How many licenses are sold per year and how is that measured against the per capita population? In other words, what is the hunter density in these areas? Um, what are the types of foods that are eaten or the browse that are consumed by deer um, during certain times of the year to help your scouting purposes? How do they differentiate over the season? All of that will also be present, presented in what we call an Intel um, tab, which I'm pretty proud of that we've put together. So I think when you couple that with everything else that we've talked about before, right, you kind of have what I think is a unique whitetail hunting application that really tries to answer the mail on um, preventing people from having to go to seven or eight places to kind of do that diligence on their own and make sure that they have everything they need before they head into the deer woods to scout or to hunt. Yeah, that's just one thing I was going to say there, Bill, is this is not just a hunting four-month, five-month, however long your season is app. This is going to be a, a year-long app that you're going to use all year once you get it and, you know, start using it and get familiar with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's really what I wanted out of this. In fact, you know, I think, and <laughs> it's killing me right now because I I say all of this as a guy who is the founder of a hunting company. I've done no scouting this year just because I've had no time. I've been, you know, but besides one scouting trip I did with Johnny Stewart in Pennsylvania, which was really just a precursor to a podcast that I did with him and Bo Martonic, I've been um, working this here, right? So instead of becoming the hunter for one, I'm trying to become like the meta hunter and get all of this information to people. Um, and, and my goal here really, and, and I think any any good hunter will tell you the work gets done in the off season, right? Like I remember when I was young, you know, a friend of the families and, and, and some people that I hunted with. And one of the common sayings was right after we either shot or a deer was arrowed was now the work starts, right? So it, it's kind of the same thing in that um, if you want to be a good hunter and you want to consistently either put meat in the freezer or antlers on the wall, the majority of the work gets done in the off season and this is going to be an off season app, right? It's going to help you during the season, but all of those things that I just talked about, the historical weather stuff, the wear feature, that's really for scouting. The wear feature is not really for hunting in the moment, unless you're getting to an area you've never been to say, say you won a lottery, right? And you're getting access to a wildlife management area that never everyone, that everyone gets access to. I would say that's a responsible time to use the wear feature during the season, right? But really when the wear feature should be getting used as off season, we are going into an area to scout. And now that wear feature is saying with the prevailing winds, here's the areas that you should go scout and look for sign of bedding and transition and rubbing and scraping, and then put that on the, you know, into the app and get ready for next season, you know? So this, you know, your point is well taken and it's quite astute. This really is an off season app. And I think the truly successful people will see it that way. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it for like shed hunting even. It's going to give you data where these deer are, where they're transitioning, you know, when they're going to be going to food. It's going to give you a, a lot of data to where and where that wear app is. You look at where they might be late season bedding, you know what I mean? That's going to be where you're going to want to go look for sheds, you know what I mean? Where these deer are spending the most amount of time. So definitely a lot of assets to this app other than just hunting, but the scouting feature is huge, especially like we were talking at the beginning of this for a new hunter that maybe he hears everybody talking about beds and how to hunt them and he doesn't have an idea. Now he has an app that says, okay, here are some potential bedding areas 
And then he goes and walks those. And it's like, man, I did find some, you know, some rubs and some sign and some beds over here. Um, but these three or four other ones, I didn't, I didn't see that sign. And now he goes, okay, instead of putting six hunts in here to narrow it down to one area, now I got to narrow it down to that one area where I can put my first best highest movement hunt on that spot. Yep. Precisely. Um, and, and, and then, you know, the other point you made there and something I forgot to talk about earlier is, you know, one thing that I can talk about and that really excites me about the app releases, we're going to have a very extensive journal in there, a journaling system where as hunters observe data, take pictures in the field, like there, there'll be a situation where you're in the field and it's like, wow, that's a really nice three and a half year old deer um, that I'm not going to take this year, but I'm going to take a picture of it with the application. I'm going to store it in the journal. The journal is going to automatically pull down all of the weather and the GPS area where all of this took place, auto-populate all of that stuff, allow you to add some notes. And then it's going to harken back to you like, you know, 51 weeks later or 50 weeks later and say, don't forget on this area over here on this day, you made a journal entry for this three and a half year old deer. That's four and a half year old deer this year. And as long as he wasn't killed or taken out the season before, you stand a good chance of seeing him here. You know, that, that type of thing right there is another, you know, uh, 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 you know, uh, a perennial reminder of, you know, things you see before. And I can't tell you how many two and a half year old or three year old, half year old deer that I see. And you want to remember them, but you forget and you're focused on this other buck or whatever. And then you totally forget that you saw a great two and a half year old deer three years back. And you have simply forgotten to go and look in that area where he was or whatever, for whatever reason, or you're focusing on something else the application will serve as a good reminder to that like hey you've got options here that you might have forgotten about otherwise yeah that journal that journal feature it auto populating all the stuff is key too i think because everybody wants to keep a journal and i feel like they keep it like three four five days but on their sixth hunt they're back in the truck and they don't want to put the date in the wind in the temperature you literally just click save. You have all that, and then you put eight pointer on the ridge or something. Right, and then exactly. you know the location, the wind, everything's already there, and you can look back on that data. And you can okay, I'm planning my vacation for next year. Let's look at the data I consumed from last year, and you go, oh yeah, there was an eight pointer on that ridge, and this was the weather, so I know there's a good chance he might be back in there. So. I really like that feature. That's something I wanted to do is keep a journal, but I'm just not disciplined enough to do it. You think you can do it, but then like your 10th day hunting straight, you're like, uh, the journal is going to take a back burner because all I want to do is eat and go to sleep. Yeah, so right. exactly. That yep, auto populating is going to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, we'll do more of that down the road. So just, just know that the journaling feature won't stop there. Um, in the future, there's going to be a time and place where we're going to auto ingest stuff that you're doing in the field with your deer cameras um, and then kind of tether that model to what you're observing and what your cameras are reporting in the field. So that's not like a this year thing, but that's a couple of years from now thing where, um, you know, we're, we're really going to be able to tether these models and these predictive analyses to the individual hunter and not just the general deer or the general area. Yeah. I want to say this. I've read magazines since the mid-1980s about deer hunting, books, everything, okay? I'm the old timer here. And this, I'm not, I'm a knuckle-dragging magazine book reading guy, okay? And I don't do technology, but you just took mid-1980s to today and put it all on one system for these 
young guys that like technology that don't read that don't want to subscribe to magazines anymore <laughs> and put it right there in the palm of their hand. I mean, that props, man. You, yeah, awesome. Well, that's high you, praise. I appreciate and that. You, you, and you pulled names out of the sky that I've been reading for Alzheimer all my life, doing studies in Southeast Texas, wherever. And it's like, yeah, man, this guy is yeah this is this is one of the ones that really got me going i don't know if you guys have read this one or not but if you haven't i would suggest it it's called mapping trophy bucks and it's by a guy named brad herdon and i've got notes and hell i've got cds put in here of stuff that i saved like over time and just like different articles and stuff that i've stuck in this book i think i've probably read this thing i i could bet the mortgages i've read this thing 30 or 40 times so if you haven't read this book, right, especially for beginners, but even people who've been doing it forever, it's just a really good study on how to use Topo to your advantage. And a lot of it feeds what we're doing on the um, on the wear model. But then, you know, by Charlie books and all of those, you know, um, you know, QDMA by Charles, Charles Alzheimer is probably one of the best deer hunting books I've ever read in my entire life. Um, you know, Hunting Whitetails by the Moon, I think was the first book I ever bought. And I bought it at a, uh, a garage sale, a church garage sale in, you know, North Dakota when I was, I don't know, 10 years old because I wanted to impress an older guy who was a deer hunter that I knew. So I wanted to go get this book and try to learn as much as I could, even though I didn't know shit about deer hunting. But I do believe it was the first book I ever read front to back. Um, so and then I actually ended up getting an autographed copy of that from Charlie a few years back. So, I mean, that for me was kind of full circle right there. So, I mean, I still appreciate the tactile, tactical, tactile experience of reading books. I still order them and read them just because I like the experience. I seem to ingest the information better. (laughs) I ordered on my phone and he's like, yeah, I went to the bookstore, man. I got it coming. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I seem to do the same thing. Another thing I like to do is, um, I, I will read a book and it's, uh, first form then I might audio listen to it like when I'm driving somewhere in a podcast or when I'm driving somewhere listening to a podcast or a book and then I'll go back and read it again just because I generally don't get everything from the book that I should the first couple of times um that that is a good method for me but yeah that's high praise and I appreciate that because the one thing you know that I'm very cognizant of is you know I said it before but this app doesn't have all of the answers it's got a it's got some answers um and, and some of those answers are only going to be right part of the time, but it's going to be truthful and honest. And it won't be, I will not alter the data to do anything other than what it does. Um, and it should just be another tool in the toolkit for people. Like people often get into like, what are the ethics of this? And, and my question back to them would be, what are the ethics of studying a Charlie Alzheimer book back to front for 30 years? Right. What are the ethics of having an uncle who's been hunting for 45 years and can point to a map and say, you should be hunting there. Right. right. All I've done is I've automated that old man that you just talked about and and tried to bring some of those lessons forward for a class of people that either might not have access or the money, right. They might not have an uncle who's been hunting forever or a grandfather, Right. right. Or someone like you who's got the access, who's done it for many years and maybe they want to get into hunting. And, and my hope would be that we're taking that 18 or 19 year old kid 
who otherwise maybe would have given up after a bad season of not seeing anything and just increased their odds a little bit and maybe got them to see a couple of deer, knowing that that's generally all it takes to get someone addicted, right? Um, and, and then we, 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 we guarantee the future with that, right? Because if we're not getting people interested in hunting, and, and God knows this new generation um, needs right. electronics and they need screens, right? If this is one more avenue to getting somebody to voting for a politician that will assure our public lands in the future, then th this is a good way to do it, I think, right? I mean, oh, yeah. this is just a tool in the toolkit and it's just a means to an end to maybe getting one more hunter afield um, who otherwise might not be. So, I mean, if I can do that for people and, you know, live at a subsistence level, then I'll be good to go. <laughs> well, like I said, I'm, I'm super excited for this fool to come out on the app system. Um, I'm just excited for people to find it. I just feel like there's not enough people that know about it because there's such a well-rounded, thought out, so much backing behind it, so much like critical thought and value in in the actual product. Uh, like I said, we got to mess with it a little bit last year and I had mentioned it to you, but I want to mention it to the listeners. Um, I kind of put it up against some other apps on Wind Direction and uh, this was more consistent on wind direction for me all last year than uh, any of the other apps that I was using. We had talked uh, back in the first of October and you said, just try it out and kind of see what you think and, you know, run, run your data on it. And uh, I we're huge, you know, wind hunters. We try to never go into anywhere and even pull cams if the wind's wrong. You know what I mean? So we're always checking the wind daily and sometimes three, four times a day to make sure it's not changing. And this was consistently the most solid, you know, you're, you're going into an area and it says this. And when you get there, that's what it is. So, yeah. Well, I appreciate that. That's high praise. And again, um, you know, what we're trying to do with this is <clears throat> certain weather providers and repositories of weather information are better for certain parts of the country. And that's all dependent on the airports that they have access to or local academia or universities that they might be getting weather data from or the way that they interpolate their models um, to predict weather in places where there isn't an airport or someone observing the actual trends of weather. So we try to pick and choose those places that are the best for individual areas. So that's to say, like, what, where, what, where you're getting your wind for in, North, in Illinois may not be where our system is providing wind for in southern Wisconsin. You know, um, uh, so, you know, many, many different places that we go to to get that. And we try to give the user in their particular area what is the most um, accurate for that area. So um, is it always going to be right? No, but I feel like, you know, people don't depend on wind like a whitetail hunter depends on wind. You know, the, gen the market yeah. isn't, isn't poised to suit someone who lives and dies by the wind. You know, the only people who do that are hunters and pilots. Um, so you know, those are the people, you know, I try to copy those best practices when it comes to getting uh, the, the right weather to the user so that they can make an educated guess on where they should be. Yeah. Well, you got anything else, homie, before we wrap this up? No, it's just. No, uh, I mean, oh, I thought you said Bill. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, just uh, excited to get this rolled out here, hopefully uh, come July and get it out there and really let, just like Cody said, let other people discover it and use it and um 
I, I could listen to you talk about stories all day about specific deer doing, you know, this yeah. thing in Alabama. Like I, I just eat that up and, uh, it's Geeking cool. To, out. It's cool to have the actual data to back it up. Well, I'd be happy to, um, you know, what, what I'd be happy to do another podcast sometime. Cause I do have probably 30 or 40 stories like that. Once you've seen hundreds of deer over their entire life cycle, move through the woods. And then you try to, you get the patterns out of that. There's really interesting stuff. That's just certain deer do. And like I said, um, you, you try to guess, I'm not a biologist, so I can't sit here and say deer X is doing this because of Z. Um, that's not how I roll. Yeah. Right. All I can do is, is note the patterns. Um, and then say, here's an interesting pattern. Um, you know, it's just every time, like you guys know the feeling that you get when you go and pull a deer camera card, right? Or you're getting a new drop over a cell camera or whatever it is. You're looking at your new photos. Um, I get that times 10 every time I get new GPS data. I'm like, I cannot wait to rip through this and see how the matriarchs move to see how the, uh, the, 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 the mature bucks move um, through a particular plot of land, especially when it's land that I haven't seen before. Like, you know, I re, you know, we recently got salt marsh data. I'd never looked at salt marsh data before. So like getting in there and just plotting that and sitting there and looking at a buck live his life out in a salt marsh, um, to me is like a level of analysis that I think only guys like us maybe could appreciate. Um, cause a lot of people are like, I, I can't do that or I don't have the time. So I'm yeah. just thankful that I'm in a place where I, I get to actually apply that, that level of nerd out. Um, in a way that might help me because otherwise I'd just be getting shit thrown at me by people in the house that need me doing other things. Right. But, you know, my, you know, my cover now is, well, I'm doing this to build the app and make it better. So please leave me alone and let me get back to my work. When in reality, right, 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 right. When in reality, I'm just doing, you know, I, you know, there's an old saying, like, if you do what you love for a living, you never work a day in your life. Right. So that's kind of the goal for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I'll, 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 let, I'll give your listeners a little bit of um, news that I haven't told anybody else. Um, Spartan Forge is, um, going to be sponsoring a veterans hunt and the details of it will be coming out, but basically we're going to get some winners from a drawing, um, that will, will open up for everyone to register for where they'll be able to come out and hunt with us and our pro staff over a weekend, um, in a cabin, uh, in the Allegheny mountains. Um, and they'll basically be able to uh, get paired up with someone on our pro staff team or from another team. And they'll be able to uh, uh, take advantage of some great giveaways that we've got for a lot of sweet kit um, from a lot of people that we're partnering with, along with using our application. Um, and then all of the money that we raise surrounding those, um, that event, we're going to donate to a, uh, a, a charitable organization that we're working with right now. So can't really get into the details until the greasy lawyers have gotten their paws all over everything and it's all signing good to go. But it is something that we will be doing and we will be raising money for those veterans causes. And um, uh, for me, it's kind of like a guilty itch because um, not everyone uh, in the military has benefited from the service like I have. Um, you know, everything that I, I've been in the military since I was 17, everything that we've talked about today, everything that I am as an adult or as a human, is something that the military gave me. Um, and, and uh, you know, a lot of guys and gals had a lot more taken than I've been given. You know, they don't have legs or, you know, lost function or PTSD or traumatic brain injury. 
Um, so for me, you know, they say there's a correlation of guilt and, um, um, and, and how much you donate, right? So if that's the case, I guess I'm going to be doing this forever because um, I feel like <clears throat> knocking on wood in six months, I'm going to be leaving the military uh, much better than I was when I, certainly than when I came in at 17. So the more I can give back from whence I came, uh, I think the better um, uh, everybody will be for it. So um, we will be doing that veterans hunt, you know, look for details on our Spartan Forge page. Um, if you want to know as soon as that thing comes out so you can register, you know, find us on Instagram and give us a follow um, and, and you'll get access to that. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're getting ready to do that. And we'll be rolling out thousands of dollars of gear and kit for people that participate in it and giving away a lot of access to our pro staff, which I think is the best pro staff in the industry right now. I don't care. You know, I look at other pro staffs and other teams and stuff. Um, I would, you know, if this were backyard kickball, that my team is the team that I would assemble nine times out of 10 or 10 times out of 10. So, um, we have that coming up and then, yeah, um, you know, our, our website is spartanforge.ai. So get on there and interact with us. There's a 14 day free trial. Um, we're adding more stuff. And then the last thing I'll say on that is every feature that we add. And then when we eventually go into the app, um, intrinsic, you know, as a, as an effective business, the price of the application will go up. What won't happen is if someone pays for the app now um, in its current form and uses a discount code, they're going to pay something like 20 bucks. Um, and, and we can set up a, di a discount code for your listeners. Um, and you let me know what you want it to be in this podcast and I'll, it will be so by the time this podcast drops. But um, throughout, you know, what I hate is when I like, I find a program or a, uh, something that I like and then the price gets jacked up. Like nothing pisses me off more than I enjoy something for a year or like Netflix is like, you know, hey, did you have fun at $6.99? Great, because now yeah. it's $12.99, right? <laughs> like um, yeah. you will not see me do that. So if somebody signs up for 20 bucks and in three years, I've got, you know, the SEAL Team 6 Naval Developmental Group version of the common operating picture that's got every G wet whiz, bell and whistle. If you signed up from us in the beginning, you will pay that rate until you get rid of the product. Um, we The rate will only rise for new people who come in. So, you know, as we get an app, there'll be a larger AWS bill. We're just going to, you know, add that AWS bill to the cost of the app. So, you know, every time we field something, it might go up a dollar or two, but it will never go up for people who sign up now. So if they sign up now, they are going to be paying that for the rest of their lives as long as they don't leave us. So um, I guess that's my last shameless business plug that I'll get into um, before we move on here. <laughs> right on, man. You, you deserve it. You put in a hell of a lot of work to, uh, to get this product together and the years of data and you sitting behind that computer looking at all these studies and, and bringing it to people um, just for someone to put the hours in to have the knowledge that you have right now um, to bring it to people is, you know, years and years of stuff that someone would have to do. And then they can get it, you know, in an app like instantly. You know I mean? so, yeah. So um, yeah. just a huge respect for what you do for us. Um, guys like you are the reason we can do this podcast and say what we want to say on here and drink beer and have the freedom to do stuff. So we don't take that lightly. Um, huge respect for that. And then huge respect for you putting this together for people to just, you know, like to motivate you know, new hunters and uh, to make other hunters 
be able to spend more time with their families and be more successful out in the field. Cause that's the, and the end goal, everybody just, like I said, everybody just wants to have a good hunt, whether they kill or not, they just want to see deer. And this app is, that's what this app's designed for is, are you going to be able to download this app and kill giant deer? No. Are you going to be able to download this app and see more deer consistently? Yes. And, that, and that's, right. that, that's the end goal. You know, everybody wants yep. to go out there, have a good hunt. You know what I mean? And, and that's, that's what this isn't about. And you're not trying to sell it as, oh, if you follow this program, I'm guaranteeing you that you're going to, you're just saying, hey, you follow this program, you're going to see more deer. There's a better chance for you to see more deer while you're out hunting and have better success as an outcome. Yeah, so, the, the, the general deer you'll definitely see more often. <clears throat> if you are chasing a 160 or 170 inch public land deer, this app might tell you 50% of the time when that buck might leave his bedding area a minute earlier than he normally would. That might be the best you're going to get out of this thing. And yeah. I'm not going to lie to you or sugarcoat it, right? I mean, those deer get that way, right? Because right? again, they're Chuck Norris and nobody makes a movie about normal martial artists and nobody, you know, you know, goes crazy over normal deer, right? Um, if you've got that massive buck, it might give you the day that he's getting out of his bedding area just a little bit earlier but you're likely still going to have to be on top of him unless you catch him when he's messed up during the rut. So um, no yep. false promises here. That's, 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 you're, you're right on. You're, you're spot on with that. All right, man. Well, we appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Thank you for having me. All right, guys. Well, take some time and digest all that. If you can, um, the, that episode is one of my favorite episodes we've done just because there's so much info in it. So much neat stuff coming. And like we said at the beginning, we can't wait to have him back on and talk about them bucks that just did random random stuff and had no idea no one could ever kill them. Um, so that's stuff that me and you get into is trying to figure out like the psyche of these deer and why they're doing <laughs> the shit that they're doing. You Absolutely know? So, impossible. Absolutely yeah. impossible. It's just so fun to to pick someone's brain that has so much knowledge and he gets these updates daily so he'll like look at the app what the app say and then he'll look and see what the deer movement was by the collar trackers you know per mile and stuff so definitely putting in a ton of work and he's still you know still active in the military about to retire so the guy is out there creating something for retirement that i think is going to help out a lot of hunters and a lot of new hunters and the new stuff that he covered that's coming to the app. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited to try it out and see how it is. Um, back in the day, you gotta remember back, you know, when we started, even when I started, you had like hunting magazines and real tree DVDs. That's yeah. the only content you had. You didn't have a guy that was like, this is what a white acorn looks like. Yeah. You know, this is, this is a red acorn. cane. This is what your deer might be feeding in your area. This is a potential bedding area. Like you didn't have this on one area. This is the wind. This is the weather. This is what the deer could potentially do in that area. So insane that it's going to be all put together and backed by so much intel. You know, not just BS. This is actual intel that the guys took for seven years. So huge shout out to Bill for bringing this out. I'm excited to get it, play with it and run it next season. Um, every day it gets closer to deer hunting. I'm getting more excited to start ripping again. So 
kill some turkeys, find some mushrooms, swim a little bit, hand fish a little bit, kill some deer. <laughs> All right, 2022, let's go. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> 2021's wrapped up. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we know we haven't we haven't said it in a while, but we uh we appreciate you guys so much. Um, you guys are still tuning into our show and listening. It's insane. Still watching this on YouTube, Babble, and um, just huge respect to you. Much love. Hope you guys enjoy the content. There's a we have an absolute gang up coming up in the season lineup for you guys this year. So we're excited about that. And uh, we really hope that you guys continue with us and uh, always try to do the right right thing. And uh, Whitetail Legacies is out. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss life on the water. Every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment. the most legendary shows in the outdoors is on waypoint tv don't miss primo's truth about hunting wednesday nights at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment